So today's show is going to start off a little bit different. We're going to start with showing love to our lesbian friends over at Queer Walk by doing a tribute to Nikita. We love you. A minute have I had since you come my way I hope you know I'll gladly go Anywhere you take me It's so amazing to be loved Follow you to the moon and the sky above There has been no demographic in my life that has not shifted my political gaze like black lesbians. The very first queer person that I've ever met that saw me and affirmed me was a butch black lesbian. One of my favorite words in the English language is bulldag. (laughs) I love that. I don't know if that's a slur, but I love that word. Loving dykes have always comforted me. They always have felt like home. So as a black trans woman, it is no coincidence that I would be drawn to a podcast hosted by two black lesbians about mental health and social justice. (laughs) Queer Walk podcast hosted by Money and Nikita has been a staple bi-weekly in my life for the past three years. So getting the news that one of them has gone on to glory was not only shocking, but shifting in my mind of like, whoa, I never imagined anybody in the Batty Brigade passing or how I would have to deal with it or like you just don't think about it. I'm thinking, you know, these bitches gonna live forever. Or I'm gonna die before them since I'm one of the oldest. <laughs> I just like, it was just a shock. A shock to me. Shocked me to my core. And how random, you know, it just made me think about how precious life can be. It just... I can't even explain it. But what I can explain is the pure, clear, loving friendship that Money and Nikita have and how it's conveyed through their podcast, through our my personal conversations with Nikita and my personal conversations with Money. You knew that Nikita was a real one and you were getting their real personalities (laughs) when they interact. I learned so much listening to her. Her humor was (laughs) right on point with mine. (laughs) She made me crack up. She had me laughing. 
I love the fact that we were into the same music. She's like my musical soulmate. <laughs> and y'all know I love to throw a musical jingle in there. So for that to be a part of their show, her creating a jingle <laughs> to introduce money segment, that was my jam. That was my shit. <laughs> so I am going to miss that shit. I'm going to miss hearing her laughter, hearing their banter back and forth, fucking with each other. I'm just going to miss that. And I can only imagine what money is going through. So money, you have all of my love. You have, I'm just sending you so much energy and of healing. And I just know this has to be hard and difficult. But Nikita, we will miss you. We love you. We're going to miss the word. We're going to miss just you being a part of our group. The group chats, what you added to the group chat. <laughs> we are going to miss you. We, we appreciated you while you're here. And we're going to miss you, child. Like, ugh. I know you loved Luther like I did. So that's why I did the Luther song. And I hope you like it and hope. You know, this blesses you in spirit. I got to tell you how you thrill me. I'm happy as I can be. You came and you just changed my whole world. Bye-bye, sadness. Hello, mellow. What a wonderful day it's so amazing to be loved follow you to the moon and the sky above i never got a chance to have my mother on the show <laughs> to interview her and i've recorded this a million fucking times and every time I say that, I get emotional. But this is the best take, so this is the one y'all go get. <laughs> so I did do an interview with my mom a couple of years back. So I wanted to share that with y'all, and I hope y'all enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting. Have a wonderful day. And have and enjoy your mothers while they are here. If they're worth fucking enjoying, because I know sometimes you have to separate yourself because, you know, they ain't shit. But, you know, I didn't have that experience, but don't think that you have to. Um, you know, if a motherfucker is toxic, honey, <laughs> get them out your life. Our blood, honey. Don't matter, relative. Bye bye. Get them out your life. <laughs> but in this interview, I do want to give like a, I guess a content warning. I don't know. I don't know why anybody would be offended, but just in case, my mother does um, use the wrong pronouns when she is talking about me in my past tense. But as you will see throughout through the interview. When she's talking about me in the current sense after my transition, like when it's when we've been through our process, she 
refers to me as her and she and da da da. But when she's talking about me when I was a little boy, she does reference me as he, him, and stuff like that. And I don't have a problem with it because I'm not ashamed of my past and I'm not um, triggered by when my mother is talking about me as a little boy calling me he, him, and him because that is what I was at the time. Um, neither one of us knew, <laughs> you know, what was going to happen in the future. And even if I was acknowledging it as a child, I didn't have any words, language, or anything for it. I just kind of grew into my womanhood. And once I realized that, you know, my transness blossomed. And so I don't have a problem with it. So that's why I post it. But if it triggers you, I'm just letting you know that in the beginning, she does he, him, me a lot. <laughs> because she is referencing my old um you know, the old iteration of myself. And so I just wanted to give that kind of content warning. And yeah, so I hope y'all enjoy. Interview intro. Hey, welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. (laughs) Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Hey, sister. Hey, sibling. Hey, mommy, how are you? You want to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Deanna, and I'm Diamond's mother visiting Houston, (laughs) which reminds me of years ago. She's always been a person that does something special for my birthday. Like, years ago, I moved to Boston with my child, all three of my children. They were little, didn't know nobody, crazy, in love, following the baby's daddy. Stayed in a shelter to try to get low-income housing, but that got on my nerve waiting, so I ended up moving out before the timing. Just getting regular housing. You were young, and we didn't have no family out there, so you weren't scared or worried about, you know, kind of leaving the nest of Indiana? I've never been scared to go anywhere. I just get up and go. I mean, you got to start somewhere. I know the kids enjoyed it because it was something different from them, because we were coming from Indianapolis, Indiana. So this was a whole new scene for them, and... They were excited. The shelter was fine, except for the different people, the different personalities. Everybody had children, and every mother loves their child. So you're going through a lot of conflict with the children because there was an incident to where Diamond and a child had got into it, which made me and the mother get into it. So... It was all right, except for that little incident. But other than that, it was cool. They treated my kids nice. I mean, we had a roof over our head in a state we didn't know anybody. So it was all right. But I can remember, this reminds me how when she was little, she always wanted to do something special for me. 
And at the time, we broke in the shelter. And she went downstairs to the director and told him, hey, it's my mom's birthday. And I really want to get her something. So the director went out, bought roses for me, and brought them back to her. She went downstairs, cooked me something to eat, woke me up. And I'm like, wow. Because, I mean, at the time she was about 11. And you don't realize that your kids really think about stuff like that. Or I didn't think she knew how to come up with, you know, the ideal. Okay, let me go ahead and ask this man to get my mother something for her birthday because I don't have any money. I knew that white man had some coins and it's much better to spend his coins on my mama. Thank you. <laughs> it really touched me because, you know, my child was that young thinking of her mother, which was really great. So it's that time of year again, and she's thought of her mother again this year and has spoiled me for my birthday. We won't tell you how old I am, but you know, it was some spoiling me like she did many years ago. <laughs> so we're going to talk about life before me. Not that anything else matters, but you know, I know you had a life before me, you know. Tell me about life before me. Okay, life before Diamond. Well, I love to dress up. Hated going to school. Cut every chance I got. Um, but love going to the skating ring, going to the little um, under 16 parties that we were having, going to the swimming pool all summer long, chasing my hand boys. Just normal then I find out that summer I'm pregnant wow how am I gonna tell mama this cuz Pauline Collier wasn't having it my grandmother mm. but we eased it right on in that tour <laughs> I mean I had no choice but they worked itself out I think it did too so tell me did you like have any idea of what kind of baby you wanted and like in regards to gender like did you want a boy or a girl i wanted a little girl yeah i wanted a little girl so i can dress her up like a little baby doll and you know she was mine i had something of my very own because you know i had a rough childhood so i wanted to make sure this child didn't have that so, basically, I just wanted a little doll baby that I could dress up, show it off to everybody. Okay, mama, can you keep her while I go skating? <laughs> but mama said, no, you got it. You're going to keep up with it. But I ended up having a little boy. Uh, well, how did that make you feel, not getting your little girl? Oh, he was mine. Beautiful. Beautifulest baby I've ever saw. But which that's everybody's. Everybody's baby is the beautifulest one they ever saw. But really mine was. Right. When I first had him, I was like, no, this is not my baby. My mother says, you're the only one in the room. Is there something you're not telling me? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Let me see that baby. They bring me this little red baby, blue eyes, 
long black hair. Okay, who's white baby y'all done brought me? This is not mine. <laughs> My mother says, oh, but it is. I watched it come out. That's what you had. Is it something you're not telling me? No. <laughs> but my mother, they're mixed, so the jeans came out on my baby. And I was like, oh my God, mama. This baby is beautiful. She said, yeah, it's a nice looking baby. And we spoiled him. <laughs> and we spoiled him. He never cried because I wouldn't give him a chance to cry. I couldn't take him crying. And that's when they told me, you're going to have to let him cry. Don't he's not going to be able to talk because <laughs> he's not going to know. His lungs are not going to do anything. So I started letting him cry just a little bit, but not much. We knew the baby was going to be smart because it did things that other babies didn't do at the time. Right, walking in five months. Then he started walking. Oh my God. That was the worst thing. It was to the point he would get up, open up the door, leave out of the apartment while I'm asleep, go up and down the stairs in, a, in an apartment building that we lived in. Go to my mom's house or go downstairs to the, my mother's store with a t-shirt, a pamper dragging to his knees. And one thing he made sure he took, he took his bottle. If he didn't take nothing else, baby, he had that bottle with him and beating on people's doors with it. And my mom said the first time he came to her house, she heard somebody knocking. She looked out the people. There's nobody there. Okay. She goes back chill. Somebody says, somebody knocking on the door. She go back and look again. Nobody there. She goes sit back and chill. She said, these kids playing on the door. So the next time the knock, she snatches the door open, trips over the baby, because there's no idea, she has no idea that there's a baby standing there with a bottle beating on her door. Let the girls in. Oh, man, she calls me. Get your lazy butt up. Do you know that baby is up here? <laughs> Mama, that baby, that baby is up here. It got to the point that I had to start taking the um, belt to my robe, tie one to my, one end to my hand, my wrist, and the other end to his ankle. So when he get out the bed, he would have to pull me to get me up so I can see what he getting into next. <laughs> So when, I mean, as I'm growing up, when did you start to see that, you know, your little boy was a little bit different? I think when I noticed that he wasn't going to be a normal little boy, bicycle trains, He-Man was about four or five. Because he didn't like to do boy things. He liked, I had a, uh, my best friend, um, she had a daughter, and he played more with her things than he did with his own. So, you know, people say, well, you know, that's normal, but nah, that wasn't his, that wasn't the normal. 
because at that age they were dressing up um putting on my shoes put on my makeup put on bras stuff them with toilet paper come on now you don't do that at four and five <laughs> i didn't and i was a girl so that's when i kind of knew and as he got older you i i knew because things didn't change to go into boy form they were still he liked the girl things it, it really didn't bother me because i figured it would be something that he would grow out of as he got a teenager so i didn't really hassle with it all the family ah you need to toughen that boy up that boy gonna be a little girl the boys in the family would try to punch on him and stuff and then as soon as i catch him i go off you want some kids to punch on get your own lead man alone i didn't deal with what people thought of the child i didn't take the child around people i had him around you know at home where he was comfortable with because like my grandmother she would come over and she'd be like lord he running through the house like a wild African monkey. I said, yep, that's the reason I keep him in his jungle. Ain't no toys in, I'm Jane. So he can run like he want to. Don't like it, go where you live. I do remember you always made home feel safe. Did you ever feel like the way things turned out, like did you ever blame yourself? Like think that like your parenting or lack of parenting was the cause well one time I th one time I believe I did because I feel like if I hadn't kept him to my hip and sheltered him so much that I made a girl out of him and I figured if I had to let him get out more did do things because I didn't used to let him go outside by himself he had to tell me to stop walking me to school mama nobody else walks their kids to school the, the traffic lady at the corner, can I please go down the street by myself? He couldn't go across the street to Kroger's by himself like the other kids did. I just kept him sheltered for a long time. And after he had talked me into letting him go to the corner by himself, we had the where our house was, was like the street was on this side. The back of our house had an alley to take you all the way to the corner. So I let him walk down the streetway and I walked down the alley that way he could see me because he didn't want me walking with him because there wasn't nobody else's mama walking him to the corner. <laughs> so I didn't really have a plan as far as how to tell you how, you know, that I was trans. I didn't really have a plan or a moment that was happening because, you know, when I was like making that step, I was kind of, you know, <laughs> I was kind of just kind of doing it. It wasn't like I wanted to make this big-ass moment of, I want to sit down and talk to my mom about being transgender. I wasn't really, that's not how I thought about it. So I, and then you had got locked up, and I was like, okay, so we're just going to wait. But, you know, her being locked up kind of gave me more freedom. <laughs> so... I used a specific moment. Tell so tell them how 
you came to know that I was trans. I called home and my mother says, um, I need to tell you something before you get home. And I said, what's that? Your child is bisexual. What is bisexual? <laughs> what, what is you talking about? Your child is bisexual. What baby? Baby, yes. So I found out while I was in prison. Then when I got home, that's when he told me. And how I found out for sure was when he came out the bathroom decked out. And my mother said, um, y'all ain't finna tear my house up. I said, nah, we're gonna tell you how some. Because when I looked at him, it was me at 16, 17. Okay. Well, at least you're not looking like a football player. I guess I'm gonna have to let you make it on this one. <laughs> but it, it wasn't something I wanted now. I mean, that's anybody. You don't want your boy child to step out the bathroom looking like you with a dress on. But I had to accept who it was. Did you feel like you had um, like lost a son? I didn't really feel like I lost a son and gained a daughter because I knew already. I knew. I mean, I just knew. I knew. I just hadn't I just, I just hadn't acknowledged it because I knew I just didn't. Okay, well, here you take this dress and put it on. So, you know, I basically knew I just, I just let it come on, come to me, because I knew it was gonna happen. I just didn't try to stop the issue, didn't try to push the issue, just waited till it came. And when it came. It wasn't hard for me to accept because I knew it was gonna happen. Because it, this, it just doesn't happen overnight. Well, with mine it didn't. I don't think with any of them it happens overnight. You know, because you see this child grow up, at least I did. For the love that I had for my child, I had to accept it because me, me and him had always, had always been close. And that I always taught him, whatever you feel you need to do, that's what you do. Just be who you want to be. And we're just going to have to accept it. And if don't nobody else accept it, don't worry about them. Because I'm going to always love you. You're going to always be loved. It doesn't matter what people think. So, I knew. I knew. And I learned each day how to deal with it. I mean, it wasn't, um, okay, he's going to wear a dress, that's cool. No, it was something I learned to deal with each day. Just like I learned, just like putting on a pair of heels. Each time you put them on, you learn to walk better in. Each day I learned to accept who he was better each day. Because I knew he was gonna be gay. 
but I didn't know the extent of gay he would be. But each day I learned how to deal with it because it's something that you, it, I don't know, you just, you deal with it each day, one day like a 12-step program, one day at a time. And that's the best way I feel to deal with it because you never know what tomorrow's gonna hold. Tomorrow, um, okay, I'm gonna wear a dress today. Tomorrow, I wanna go to the prom and they won't let me go. The next day, I'm going to court cause I'm going to the prom. So you have to take it each day at each each step, each measure, each the further it goes, the further you accept. You're listening to Houston's own MP Trans 101. Now listen, I know that what is basic trans 101 for me could just be the beginning for you. So this is for your basic ass. <laughs> any kind of support or education on like how to raise a trans child or how to deal with having a trans child, anything like that? How did you educate yourself? How I educated myself on how to deal with the child is I talked to the child and the child told me how to deal with the child because I, no one else could tell me better how to deal with him than he could tell me because I had to know who he was in order for me to deal with him. And the only way I was gonna find out who he was, I had to deal with him to see who he was. And I think, I think that is, has to be at the core of you trying to, you know, be a supporter of your trans child. Now, therapists and counselors and books and all that kind of stuff is good as, you know, to add to the support, but you gotta really, really kind of learn from your child let them tell they they're going to tell you what to call them how to interact with them what they are comfortable with all that kind of stuff so tell me how did you start to be acclimated to the pronoun thing how did you learn to use their name and the right pronouns and all that kind of stuff learning to call him her now and her name well i mean it's all about acceptance, I guess. Once you accept who that person is, it just comes naturally, I guess. It used to be a time when I would say he, but now it just comes out. She, her, diamond, it just comes. I guess because I've accepted who she is. God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 
Okay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. As a as a child growing up, as well, a trans child, well, teenager preteen all that kind of stuff I always felt like I was a letdown to you because you know I don't not because you told me or made me feel anything you always were supportive so I didn't I never you never said anything that would make me think that um you know, make me think it but it was kind of like my own kind of self-talk like I was a disappointment like I was a failure like as a son as a kid, because I didn't, because I was trans, I didn't grow up to what you, like what you dreamed of me to be. So I always felt like that. And, you know, now that I'm older, I can, I can believe that there is a level of that, but you didn't make me feel it. This is just what I was feeling when I was younger. And so I always wondered, like, when I was growing up, did you have any proud moments? Can you, can you shed light on that? Can you tell them about that? When she took the school to court and stood up for who she was and what she believed in. I was living in Mississippi at the time and she was going to Arlington and somebody calls and says, hey, do you know that your child is on TV? I said, what are you talking about? He took Arlington to court. For what? They won't let him go to the prom just as a girl. So he took him to court, baby. Stepped down off the steps, got on his little skirt, his little suit jacket, his little briefcase. I said, hell no. <laughs> My baby ain't clowning him like that, honey. Baby. But somebody sent me the videotape. Said, I got the tape coming to you now. And. She did her thing, and I was proud of her because she stood up for what she wanted. She stood up for who she was, and that's what I taught her. And it let me know that a lot of things that I had taught her, she, you know, took stride in and took heed to. And I used to always, n neither three of my children have low... You know how some kids, even though how she, she was ridiculed coming up about who she was, she never had low self-esteem. Neither three of mine have low self-esteem. Because I always taught them how nice looking they were, who they were. I always showed them love. You know what I'm saying? So 
Her taking them to court just, it made me proud. It made me proud because she knew who she was and what she wanted. And she got what she wanted. As I was growing up, I always felt comfortable, but I also always felt like everybody was trying to tell me what they, and it, what they felt like I should be or what I should be doing. And, you know, it was always based on some personalized shit, like religion, like your religion is your religion. It's not mine. Um, I think men should be like this. And I think little boys should be like this and this is what I think. Everybody was trying to add little tidbits in my ear about what they think. Some more aggressive than others. You know, for me, I just, I just, I felt like y'all can't tell me about me. You have to listen to them. As a, as a mother, you've got to listen to them. That's the only way you're going to understand who they are, what they're going through, what they're feeling, and how to deal with them. And you, you just have to be understanding. And I mean, you're not going to always agree. But you have to share in what they're feeling in order to know how to treat them. I mean, how to, how to become their parent again. Because it's going to be a difference. It, you're gonna be, you, it's going to be a difference. But if you sit down and talk to them, try to get some understanding of who they are, you can learn, like, they're transitioning into something. If you sit down and talk to them, listen, pay attention to what they're going through, I mean, really sit down and discuss, well, how this go, how that go. Even when she got her breasts, tell them and all that, see what this is. Well, how did this go? How did that go? I was transitioning as well into becoming the parent that she needed me to be. You just got to kick back and go through it with them and try. I mean, it's hard. But if, if you love your child the way you say you do, you're going to work it out. Like I said, all you got to do is transition. You're going to transition with them. You said that there were some times that, you know, you're not going to always agree. Can you tell them about some times that when it comes to transition, like that you didn't agree or you just, it just didn't feel right to you? Like, tell them about like a, a moment when you had those kind of feelings that you like didn't agree. I think the only time that I really disagreed with something that she, with who she was, was when she started college. Because I didn't think that was gonna work out so well, going to college as a girl. I really didn't think that was gonna work out so well. And I felt like that she could've went to college as a boy, but she didn't go as a boy. And I was scared all the time that they might do some tour down there. I mean, I'm always waiting and wondering if somebody's gonna call and say they done did something to my child down there, which at one time they did. But it worked itself out because as I said, she can handle her. And 
after she went to school and went on campus and did her, I was proud of her. But I didn't think it was going to work out the way it did. But it actually worked out wonderfully. I was always worried that something might happen to her. But now I don't I don't worry. I just I'm confident that she can take care of herself. But wow. when she was younger, I always feared because this was new to her as well as well as it was to me. So she really basically, you know, like as me as a teenager, you don't know how to conduct yourself. And now I don't fear because she's an adult and she's more wise and I know she won't get herself in a situation to where she would jeopardize herself. But you know when you're a teenager, you actually don't know what situation you're getting yourself in or what's not, what situation not to get in. But now as an adult, I don't worry about her because I know she knows and she knows the lifestyle and she's she's well prepared for what she's doing now I wouldn't say I was prepared but you do get kind of skilled <laughs> at avoiding situations you get skilled at choosing the battles that you want to fight some stuff is just random sometimes you're going to have to pop somebody sometimes you're going to have to Put the dukes up and handle your business. That's just kind of how it goes. It's too many transphobes out here and homophobes and all this kind of stuff to where you could be on the bus. You could be at a hotel. It could be the hotel clerk. It could be the dude you sit next to on the bus. It could be the dude you sit next to on the train. It could be transphobia just pops up out of nowhere sometimes. There's some situation where you kind of know it's coming. Um, there's some, there's like, you know, your, your spidey sense. I would say tranny sense, but you know, they don't like that word no more. <laughs> your spidey sense kind of peaks up and you know, you, you know, when s some danger or some bullshit is afoot or it's about to happen, you know, somebody's clocking, you know, somebody is whispering about you. Oh, I, I think that's a boy. That all this kind of weird ass shit, some shit you kind of can sense. But sometimes it's just really random and you don't know what's going to happen and it could escalate so quickly and it can just turn violent. It's just one of those situations we've seen. Luckily, because of technology now, y'all are being able to actually see certain escalations happen when we talk about Ayanna Dior in Minneapolis, when we talk about... Um, Malaysia Booker in Dallas. Some situation just escalates so quickly, you can't help but to be in a fighting situation. So, Mom, do you think um, you can tell us, like, what do, what do you wish for for me? Like, what do you wish for? Can you tell them, like, what do you wish for your trans child, like, in the future? What do you wish for, you know, what do you wish for life for us? To be happy. Find someone that can she can share her life with that really loves her the way I love her. I can brag about her every day because I think she's beautiful. Why, thank you. She's loving. Right. 
Now she's a little chesty sometimes, but you can get on the bad side. But you started off she's great. She's beautiful. Okay, we back. She's on track. well educated. She's uh -huh. went through a lot of. Th I've seen her through a lot of things in life, but she did not let none of that stand in her way. Never. So, basically, I love the way she's went with her life, and she didn't let nothing tear her down and stop her from doing what she's doing. And I'm very proud of her. Thank you, mommy. <laughs> So, what about your other children? Like, how did the transition affect them? How did they, you know, how did they, they were going on along with this journey, too. How was that experience, you know, getting them to adjust? And, you know, did you play a part in that? Like, you know, what's your thoughts around that? Well, with the baby, there was no, there was no adjusting. The baby grew up. And automatically, I mean, the baby grew up and automatically knew what was going on because basically she was preparing her brothers as well. But the middle one, he's kind of, he really hasn't accepted yet. So me and him still going through trying to get him to adjust. And he's trying, but it's going to take a minute, but eventually he will. Because, you know, I sit and talk to him, let him know that this is, you're either going to have to accept it, and, and you don't have to accept it, you can go on with your life, but if you do go on with your life, this is a sibling you won't have in your life, because she's not going to accept you not accepting her, and she really doesn't, it really doesn't matter, but I'm trying to get him to adjust. And eventually he will. Because he's breaking down now. <laughs> Is there any, like, life lessons that you have learned from your experiences with me? I used to, be, being honest, I used to have little shady stuff to say about gays. But now that my child is this way, I've learned more about them and learned that they're just like us. They need to be respected. They have feelings and they're not no different. And I believe it made me learn to love people better than to always just judge all the time because I had the habit of just sitting around judging people, talking about people. Yeah, I was one of those people too. But this has made me learn to love them, love people, period. Instead of sitting around judging and talking about people, which that was a habit I used to do as a coming up. But now I don't judge or talk about people. I learned to accept and love people the way they are and for who they are. And that is a beautiful lesson. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And mom, I want to thank you for bringing me into the world and you know not taking me out <laughs> as black parents always say i brought you in this world and i take you out thank you for not taking me out all the times that i deserve to be taken out <laughs> and thank you for being on marcia's play in spirit i really appreciate that you taking the time to share your experience with my audience and you know with other parents who may be listening who may come across this and give them an example of how to be 
a a way to think about it. I really appreciate that and hope that it touches somebody. It definitely touches me when I go back and listen to it. And I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Though you are technically not here in the physical, you are definitely here in spirit, and I appreciate you. Is there anything that you have um, left to add or to say to the people? Thank you for supporting my daughter. And if you have any comments, any questions, rate it at the bottom. She's always going to have mama's support, and I hope she's always got y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all. This little hot light is running me up now. Yeah. Look, I didn't realize these little lights be beaming on you like that. No wonder they be sweating when they on the good stage. Mm -hmm.